Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook Church. We're glad you're with us this morning. Looks like there's a whole lot of good news going on out there today, isn't there? What is the best news you have ever received? Maybe some news you got this week, maybe something from the past. What is the best news you've received? Turn to your neighbor and just tell them something that you have heard about that's good news recently. Any good news out there? <laughs> you know, maybe you got uh, an A-plus on a test or something. Maybe you finally graduated, you got accepted to a college, maybe you got a new job. Maybe you're having a baby. There's all kinds of exciting good news out there, isn't there? I posted uh, on Facebook last week, okay, come join me at Springbrook. I've got some exciting news about something that's going on. And my phone did not stop ringing off the hook. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I said, Jesus died for your sins. (laughs) They said, oh. (laughs) I said, what do you mean, oh? I said, that's great news. Yeah, but I was expecting something different. It's like, yeah, there was no greater news than that, right? I mean, the fact that Jesus died for our sins is great news. In fact, it's probably the best news that we'll hear this side of heaven. The fact that God loves us, wants a relationship with us, and knows, and we know where we're going, that is great news. I can't think of anything uh, better than that. You know, the Bible throughout talks about the good news, the gospel, over a hundred times in the New Testament. There's references to the gospel, to the good news. Uh, Paul refers to the good news like this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, you go on to say, for I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. That is the good news. So a lot of times we, uh, uh, we talk about the gospel. We talk about what is the good news. That is the good news. And so if you've ever wondered what the good news is, that's it. And that is great news. That is uh, good news. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the good news Uh, Paul roots uh, the good news in our identity and who we are in Christ. And so in Romans chapter 10, if you want to turn with me uh, to Romans chapter 10, if you brought your Bible. Uh, If you didn't, if you're following along on the YouVersion Bible app, you can search for Springbrook um, or you can go to springbrook.org slash notes and you can follow along with us there. But let's look at Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes this, Brothers, my heart's desire... My prayer to the God is for the Israelites that they might be saved. That's Paul's heart. That's his desire. That's what he lives for. It's his desire that the Israelites would be saved. For I can testify about them that they're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. What Paul's saying in these first four passages is that we do not have salvation through our zealousness for God. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that he's looking for from us. We cannot achieve righteousness or perfection in God's eyes, and we should not try to establish our own righteousness 
to compensate for our own shortcomings. Our righteousness in God's eyes comes only through the acceptance of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, beginning in verse 5, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that's to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the deep, that's to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Paul's reminding us here that the good news is that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, that he came back to life to prove that he is who he said he is and that we can continue our relationship with him into eternity. The gospel is good news and it's right in front of us and God's gift of salvation is available right now. All we have to do is accept it and we accept it by asking Christ into our hearts and by God's grace through faith we are saved. If we confess Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins, and we believe he raised, was raised from the dead, if we confess that Jesus is Lord, he's the Lord of our lives, we will be saved. And so Paul roots his understanding of the good news and who we are in Jesus Christ. And there are four questions that Paul asks in the next four verses that we want to look at that are going to help us to better understand this good news. He says, beginning in verse 14, Well, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So we're going to look at these four questions in just a moment. But let's just spend some time and let's open up in prayer that God would soften our hearts for what he would have for us as we approach these passages this morning. Father, I just want to thank you uh, for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for the good news in Christ. That is ultimately great news, uh, the greatest news this side of heaven. And I just thank you for your call on our lives. I thank you for the hope that we can find there. I pray that you would continue to increase our faith and our trust in you. And uh, God, we know that no one comes to the Son unless you draw them. And so I just pray, God, that you would open and prepare the hearts and minds of those Uh, that would need a relationship with Christ, that you would draw them into a relationship with yourself. Uh, God, thank you for the gift of salvation, and we look forward to all that you have for us, God, as we proclaim the good news that that we have been entrusted with to a watching world. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, these four questions that Paul asks, beginning in verse 14, are going to help us to better understand this good news. And then the first question we see uh, that Paul asks is this. How will they call on him, on Jesus, in whom they have not believed? How can somebody call on Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus? And you see, the good news is this, that Christ died for our sins and rose from the grave. And so fundamental to our belief system is the fact that Christ died and rose from the grave. 
Paul said that if we confess that good news and we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, then that is where we find our security in being saved. You just heard the good news. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so when we talk to people about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a lot of times I hear from people, oh, that's too complicated. It's too hard to share. It it can't be that simple. It is that simple. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the grave. And if we confess him as Lord and Savior, we will be saved. That is the good news. And if you believe it, if you believe that in your head and in your heart, and if you pray that, that's where your assurance comes from. You know, you may already know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you do, you know of all the benefits that comes with that the peace and security of knowing where you're going to spend eternity, the peace and understanding that you have been set apart and created for a purpose. You're freed from guilt. You're freed from pointless existence, and you understand that God has a plan and a purpose for you. If you've identified with Christ in that way, then you have an opportunity to share what you have with other people around you. You see, the first thing that we need to know about the good news is this, that it requires genuine belief. It's genuine belief that enables us to call upon Jesus Christ as Savior. Genuine belief must be the kind that calls on Jesus Christ for salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that God's looking for us beyond it. It changes who we are and how we think and what our purpose is in this life. And we have been entrusted with great news that needs to be shared with other people. That is our mission as a church, is to share Jesus Christ with a community that has questions about God and the Bible and how to have a relationship. And that is what we're called to do individually as well. We're called to share the good news that we have with other people. And that leads us to the second question that Paul asks. How can we believe in him of who we have never heard? How can we believe in Jesus if we've never heard of him? And so belief requires good news to be heard. We have to share the good news with other people so that they can hear it and have belief in it, right? Good news needs to be shared and it needs to be heard. And so Paul is reminding us that it is important that that we share the good news that we've been entrusted with. If you have never heard or understood this good news before, then I'm glad you're here today because this is good news and you need to hear it. If you've never confessed that you really believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins or that he rose from the grave, that's good news that you're here. We believe that. That is one of the foundations of our faith. If you've never confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, if you're not sure that you are saved, then today is the day that you have an opportunity to cross that line of faith and become a Christ follower. You are hearing the good news, and you have an opportunity to respond to it. Every Christian has made that confession of faith. That is what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a disciple, to be a Christian, and what binds us together in who we are in Christ Next week, we're going to be kicking off a new series on 1 Corinthians. I'm really excited about it, but it's rooted in the 
idea that we are unified in who we are in Christ. That's what binds us together and unifies us. The focus of Christianity should be on sharing that good news with other people. Everyone here this morning has now officially heard the good news. And so when you leave today, you can tell people, I know the good news. I've heard the good news. The question is, is how do you respond to it? And so you need to know that hearing the good news is the first part of the equation. You need to believe it. And you need to do something with it. And you need to act on it. And so do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Do you believe that he was risen from the grave? It is by grace that we've been saved through faith in Christ, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. We hear it, we accept it, we believe it, and we confess it. On the back of your welcome slip that Andy mentioned a few moments ago, there's a place for you to say, hey, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there are no I thinks or maybes. You know, most of the conversations I have with people about their relationship with Christ, I hear the majority of time, I think so, or I might have. And I want to make sure that we dispel any of those myths for you today. You either have a relationship with Christ or you don't. And it depends on what you've done with this good news. You've heard it. You need to respond to it. And I'm going to stay after the service today. I'll be up front if you've got any questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. If you want to pray that prayer this morning, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. But don't leave this morning having not resolved in your mind the answer to that question, am I secure in who I am in Christ? And if you already have a relationship with Christ, your primary goal is to share that good news with other people. And so people are either have questions or they have already got the answers. And if you've already got the answers, then it's our responsibility to share that good news with other people, which leads us to the third question that Paul's going to ask. He says this, how are other people going to hear without someone preaching to them, right? And so we've got this good news. We just need to share that with others so that they can hear it. You see, hearing requires someone to share. And so we have to share what we've been entrusted with. Today, I'm filling a preaching role. And people come into church, and hopefully they expect to hear about Jesus Christ in church, right? If that wasn't your expectation today, surprise. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be doing, is helping people understand who Jesus is, how to have a relationship with him, and how to grow in our faith. And so there's an expectation that the preacher is going to preach about Jesus. And so, but you know what? Not everybody's called to preach. Not everybody's called to teach. Not everybody's called to vocational ministry. That's okay. We're not all called to do that. But the Bible does say if you have a spiritual gift, you're supposed to use it. And so if you're a believer, God has given you a spiritual gift to be used to build up the body of Christ. And every one of us is using spiritual gifts. And so there's spiritual gifts being used all throughout this ministry this morning and during the week. And so people use their spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ until we attain the union of faith and so that other people can be drawn in to experience what we have. And so the good news is, is you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher. 
But you also need to know that you are responsible for sharing. You see, the word that is translated preaching here could also be best translated as to announce. It's to share. It's to proclaim. It's to make known. And so we all have the responsibility to be a messenger. And so you might not be called to ministry, but you are called as a Christ follower to share the good news that you've been entrusted with with other people. Does that make sense? And so if other people are going to hear about this good news, we are responsible for sharing it. And you can't share what you don't have. But if you have it, you need to share it. And so this morning, I want to make sure that at least that you're clear about whether you have it or you don't have it. If you don't have it, we want to help you have it. If you have it, we want you to share it. Does that make sense? And so we have to share what we have with other people in order for them to be able to have what we have. That's one of the primary responsibilities of the church is to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, to glorify God and to proclaim the good news about Christ. That's why we exist. You know, one of my favorite summaries of Christianity explains it as uh, something along the lines of one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. We're all in the same boat. We're all fallen. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all in need of a Savior. And if we understand the answer to that solution, all we're doing is sharing that with somebody else. And so every one of us, if you're a believer has a faith story, and you have opportunities to share that faith story with others. That story that God has given you is yours and yours alone. Nobody else can tell it, and you have the Holy Spirit in you that enables you to share it with others. We are all called to be messengers, and we have the best news that has ever been given. And this leads us to Paul's fourth question, that's this. How are they to preach unless they are sent. How are we to share this good news unless we are sent? Well, let me just tell you right now, consider yourselves officially sent. (laughs) If you have a relationship with Christ, when you ask Christ into your life, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit entered into you. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There's something different about you after you make your faith commitment than before you made your faith commitment. You have the Holy Spirit in you. It's changed you. You are a different person, and it was given to you. Do you know why? So that you could have the strength and the power to live out the Christian life because it's not easy being a Christ follower. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us and help us to live out our Christian faith. We also need the Holy Spirit in us so that when God looks down on us, he doesn't just see us, right? You know, God sees Christ in us, and we are all going to stand before God at some point, and when he looks down, he sees the presence of Jesus in you. And that is good news, because we cannot stand on our own good works. We need Christ in us. You have the Holy Spirit to seal you. You know, when you made a faith commitment, you became sealed as a child of God. It's like an envelope that's been licked and sealed. You are sealed, and it enables you to find confidence in your faith. You can be secure in who you are in Christ. You have been sealed in that faith, and so you have the Holy Spirit to seal you. And you know what else you have the Holy Spirit for? 
It was given you so that you might have the power to be his witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be a witness. You know what a witness is? It's somebody that just shares eyewitness testimony. That's what a witness is. And so when you share your faith with somebody else, it starts by just talking about what Jesus did in your life. I think a lot of the times people have difficulty thinking about how to share their faith because they really haven't considered the thought of, well, what has Jesus done? When you look back on your life and you think about all that God has accomplished in you, primarily beginning with your security, that you're a child of God, and you think about how Jesus has worked in your life and what that process looked like, and you share that with other people, you are being a witness. And we're all called to be a witness to the relationships around us. And so I want you to think for a moment about some of the relationships with the people that you have around you. Think about your workplace. Think about your school, a class that you're in. Maybe some of your neighbors. Think about where you live. If it's in an apartment, people on the different floors, or if it's in a house, your neighborhood. Think about the people that God has put around you. Those are not by accident. Those are potential divine appointments. Those are people that God is placing in your path so that you can share your story with them. You know, when you take your kids to a soccer game or to baseball practice or any sports activity, you are sitting around and in proximity to people that you can share with. You know, my kids were, when they were in high school, I used to love going to the marching band. My daughter was a marching band, and I missed that because it was an opportunity for me to sit in the stands and just be around people. You know, ultimately, it was like, well, what do you do? <laughs> I love that question. It's hard because they find out you're a pastor, but, you know, think about, think about when you're just sitting there enjoying a sports activity with your kids. You, it's easy to strike up conversations with people about what did they do over the weekend? Where do they go to church? Look for opportunities to share what Christ has done in your life. That's an opportunity for you to be a witness. And when you share your faith with other people, do you know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that when you share your faith with other people, you are beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when we share our faith with the people around us. God loves it when we share our faith. The Bible says you're beautiful. In Romans 10 15, it says this at the end. How, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. When you share your faith with people around you, God thinks you're beautiful. You know, stand up for a second. Everybody stand up for a second and uh, look down at your feet. Stand up and look at your feet. (laughs) Now tell the person next to you, man, those are some beautiful feet. Okay, so you're standing up. All of you are part of God's plan for reaching our community for Christ. Isn't that amazing to think about? As you look around, people that are standing up, it's almost as if we're standing up saying, God, use me. You are not in this by yourself. And so if you have opportunities to share your faith, you don't need to be scared because you've got all these people around you that are trying to figure it out as well. When we get together, it is a force to be reckoned with, isn't it? We are God's plan for reaching our community for Christ. Not the building, not me, not just our staff. We are part of God's plan for reaching this community for Christ and building disciples. Amen? So you can stand. You can sit down.
The good news is this. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was raised from the grave. If we confess and we believe that good news and we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we are saved. That's the good news. And that's all simply that we've been entrusted to take, to share with other people. Acts 8 says this. Acts 1.8 says, You will be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be witnesses to where? You'll, be, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so where are we supposed to be sharing this good news? I'm glad you asked. Everywhere. <laughs> There's no place that this good news shouldn't go. It should go into the cracks of our house. It should go into our neighborhoods. It should go to the very ends of the earth. This good news is be, to be proclaimed everywhere. And you have everything that you need to do that. An understanding of what it is, the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do it, and the relationships with people around you. And so we are responsible for sharing the good news everywhere. This is a picture of the globe. There's no place on the globe that the good news should not go. When Acts 1-8 was written, this is what they were thinking about. The good news needs to go to the entire world. If you kind of zoomed in, we're down there in the Mediterranean. There we see Jerusalem and uh, we see uh, Judea. Zoom in a little bit more. You kind of see there's, there's Jerusalem. There's Judea and Samaria. And there's the very ends of the earth. And so Acts 1-8 says we're supposed to share and be witnesses in our smaller community, in our regions around us, to the very ends of the earth. And so what does that look like for us today? What is our Jerusalem? Our Jerusalem looks like this. We've got Huntley and Lake in the Hills, Algonquin. We've got Crystal Lake. Uh, we've got Carpentersville. Uh, we've got Woodstock. I don't know if I mentioned your town, but Jerusalem is anybody that is in our immediate area. And we are focused on reaching everybody in our immediate area. That's our Jerusalem. And so the map's not a nice little circle. You know, it moves around. But we are committed to reaching our community for Christ. That's why Springbrook Church is here. As people drive by our building, they share a building. I hope they want to come in. But this building is about equipping saints for ministry so that we can send them out to be witnesses. And so we, we show up here on Sunday morning to worship God and to hear his word proclaimed. And so I'm glad that everybody's here but this is our missions field. And you know what? I can't go out there by myself and do it. Our elders can't. Our staff can't. If we're going to reach our Jerusalem, it's going to take everybody committed to sharing the hope that they have in Christ with other people. This is our Jerusalem. We're committed to reaching it. And so our ministry focus is to reach our Jerusalem. And we've got, we've got, we've got so many different ministry opportunities for, for people to serve in to do that. We've got ministry opportunities on Sunday. We've got ministry opportunities during the day. Right now, we have 25 ministry opportunities that people can sign up for uh, to check out. We're having an impact in our community through various different ministries. On this next slide, we've got, um, we had VBS this past week. We saw it was an effective way uh, for us to reach our Jerusalem, right? So we invited everybody in our community uh, to bring their kids from VBS. We had 80 households. We had 80 kids come to VBS, and that was, that was huge. Those kids came from everywhere. You know, after VBS was over, Michelle went on vacation, and we went on a missions trip. And so I got back last week, and Michelle and I were kind of looking through that list. And it is exciting to know how many families we have reached in our Jerusalem. And many of them came because you invited them. If you've got kids and you invited your neighbors, 
you were inviting them into this community of believers. And what was really exciting was is of the 80 kids that came, 24 of them made faith commitments. That's 30%. That's huge, isn't it? 30% of the kids that came to our VBS made a faith commitment and wanted to take that next step. That is huge. Can you imagine what that would look like if it was that way for our students or for our adults? or for? Think about the impact that we can have on our Jerusalem. We have to have a vision for reaching our community for Christ. That's why we exist. We've got, uh, we've got families that are meeting uh, with Kids Hope during the schools. We've got, we're in Kids Hope. We're in the schools. We're doing backpack for kids. We do Thanksgiving baskets um, for people in our community. We do Angel Tree. Nationwide Chaplains has helped us to be able to serve our first responders and given us connections to families in our community. We do Informed Choices. We've got 30 open ministry positions right now that you can sign up for and have an impact on helping us to reach our Jerusalem. You can open up your app or you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash serve, and you can sign up for any of those openings. But we are committed to reaching our Jerusalem for Jesus Christ. That is why we exist, to reach and build passionate followers of Jesus. And so where is our Judea and Samaria? Our Judea and Samaria is pretty broad. It's the regions all around us. It's the regions that go beyond Illinois. It's really a national effort. So when we think about our, our Judea and our Samaria, we're thinking about what does it look like from a national perspective. You know, we are a part of Converge Worldwide. If you've been through our starting point workshop, you've heard a little bit about Converge and Convergement America, but we are a part of a movement of churches. There's 250 churches just in our region, in our Mid-America district, that are focused on reaching their communities for Christ. And we are part of Converge Worldwide that nationally is committed to starting and planting and strengthening churches. We are a movement of churches that are taking seriously the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. That's who we're a part of. And we've planted, we've planted 50 churches just in the United States in the last two years. We are aggressive at reaching our region for Christ. That's what we're about. You know, so we we contribute to Converge. Our part of our budget goes to Converge Mid America and Converge Worldwide. Both of those, you are participating through your generosity in helping us to reach our region uh, for Christ. And so we participate in Converge. And then we do a lot of things as a church just locally. You know, we just got back from a missions trip to South Carolina. You commissioned us and sent us to South Carolina to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we had opportunities to build relationships and witness to people in South Carolina. This is Gloria on this next slide. And, uh, uh, Gloria, her house got hit by the hurricane. Her, uh, her handicap ramp got taken out. And so we got to build her a new handicap ramp. And so it was really fun kind of talking with her. She is a Christian. She has a relationship with Christ. And so we had to enter into some dialogue. But she was praying for her kids. Uh, she was praying that her kids would grow in their faith. This is Fred down on the bottom. This is one of her sons. And, uh, you know, he was wanting to know why we were at his mom's house helping out. I'm like, hey, we're, we're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, God loves you. <laughs> you know, our church sent us out here just to minister to your community. And so we had great conversations with them. And so we had an opportunity to impact this family. We had another work site that we were at. Uh, this is uh, Demi. Uh, Demi's house was uh, six feet of water in her house. Uh, the whole, it was almost completely destroyed. Uh, it got gutted. We were hanging sheetrock. That's Wayne walked across the street. Phil was having a good conversation with Wayne there. His house got completely destroyed. In fact, while we were standing in there, the floor of his house 
caved in, so he's completely lost his house. These people were devastated, and they were just so glad we were there. It was fun to pray with Demi. I mean, she's crying. We're telling her God loves her, and we just we got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, that is, that is your sending us out into our Judea and Samaria to have an impact uh, for Christ. We had some great things that happened. I'm going to ask... Um, um, a couple of kids come out and share them out. We got a video I want to share with you, and then uh, we're going to hear some more stories about what happened on our South Carolina trip. Let's watch that video. on Emmy's house back there so we've painted that wall and the interior of those walls and those little tables right there that um, washed up here in the hurricane. Trash, uh, random pieces of wood that'd be lying around in the woods in the backyard and we throwing them out all of it and we're painting a woman's garage for them and it looks amazing. I'm currently painting um, and we have guys back there sawing trees and we have more people painting and we have people picking up trash and I think, I think that's all that's going on right now. I hadn't accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior yet and I ended up doing that Tuesday night so that was really cool. Um, our whole team working together was really fun, so yeah. Well, the whole theme of our retreat is to dream wildly. And I've learned that God can do incredible things if you let him. A lot of people feel like God is not there in their lives and God's just giving up on them. Even through the, that mess, he's still there and he still wants them to feel that they're there and he still wants them to know he's there. So then that's why I guess he sends us.
Well, that was a great trip. I want to thank you for your prayers and support. It was exciting to see uh, where God had it worked. We've got two of our students, uh, Daniel Kay and uh, Emily Heflin, are going to come out, and they're going to tell you a little bit about some of the lessons they learned on the trip. It's good to see you guys again. <laughs> Before we do that, um, could we have all of our missions team members stand up who went on the trip so we could recognize yeah. them? Yeah! Kind of Okay, so during the trip, Matt likes to put students in charge of different things, so work sites or Bible studies, um, and so that's why I'm up here and he's not, um, and that's why Emily's here to tell us more about that. So Emily, you led a work site and also some Bible studies and small groups, so how did that go for you? Yes. Well, at first it was extremely challenging, but as the day kind of went on, I was able to just, I guess, relax a little bit, you know, and kind of... I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. It was just like, you know, like God was there and just like helping me through it. You know, like you can just do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. we saw you break out of your show a lot. It was a lot of mm-hmm. fun to watch her uh, as the week progressed, um, just get more and more energetic and ready to jump in and lead with a firmer hand. Um, now, what else did you find throughout the week? We actually had a lot of group times, lots of small groups. Um, but what did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about God throughout the week? Well... This week, I um, was out of my comfort zone a lot, which was, again, challenging. But I kind of learned that I can, you know, be the leader, I guess. And I think God's trying to, like, get me out there, you know, and be the leader more often, I think. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, Emily, what was the most rewarding part of the trip, besides spending a lot of time in the car on the way down, um, with all of us who make fun times in the car? Okay. Well, um, one of the most rewarding things, I think, was um, being on the work sites and just being able to help so many people, because I think it's so cool. If you've been at the work site for a week, um, and when you finish it, you can really see how much growth is, has been there, you know, and how much we've been able to do. Yeah, it's really absolutely. Cool. Um, and then final thing, uh, <laughs> there might be some people here who are thinking, ooh, missions trip, sounds fun, but they have maybe a few questions and they're not quite sure. What would you suggest um, to them, or what would you say to them to see if maybe they do want to go on the trip? You know, like, you should go, or maybe, yeah. Yeah, you should definitely go. Every... Every missions trip is such a great experience. Yeah, you learn so much um, just through the sessions and the work sites, and you get to um, meet new people, too, that you might not already, like, you know, know very well. Absolutely. Yeah. Meet lots of new people. Yeah. Um, make connections with people you haven't had the chance to talk to a lot. Um, and then, of course, just dive really deep into your faith as you have basically a week of, um, at least for the students, there's, we don't get our phones, we just kind of stay as a group, and really dwell in the Word, which is a very good time. Outstanding. Well, I want to thank you guys. It was really a, uh, it was a joy just being with you guys. Matt did such a good job with our youth. Every one of our student youth had a chance to lead um, during the breakouts, and so it was really fun watching them step into uh, positions of leadership and growing. And I think everybody on our trip grew in some ways. We had uh, leadership growth. We had faith commitments being made. Relationships were being formed. In fact, Connor, one of the gentlemen on our trip, there he is right there in the hat, 
is now training uh, with Kyle Smoot to be a stagehand. <laughs> and so it was really exciting just to see what God has done. I want to thank you guys for, uh, for being available thank and you. looking forward to what he's going to continue to do there. So yeah, so that's our Judea and Samaria. So we're participating as a church, uh, planting churches, strengthening churches, and having an impact um, through missions as well. And so God is just really stirring up something in our Judea and in our Samaria as well, uh, along with Jerusalem. And then we have the ends of the earth. What does the ends of the earth look like? Well, you know, we support missionaries all over the world. We had Jamie Stromberg, who was here a few weeks ago from Mexico. We got an update from her. And so our church supports um, international ministries. We support Converge Worldwide that uh, is an actual mission-sending organization. So if somebody wants to go into the missions field, they can do that through Converge. And so we're financially supporting um, Converge um, Worldwide. And then we also support one of the major initiatives that we have here at Springbrook is supporting the, uh, the Timothy Initiative. Um, the Timothy Initiative uh, is focused on reaching um, unreached uh, people groups. Um, we have heard a lot at Springbrook about the work in India and Nepal. Uh, in fact, a part of our year-end offering uh, last year, um, we set aside um, $10,000 um, to support um, the Timothy Initiative and their work there. Um, Chandra Prasad was here a few months ago, and he is one of the uh, church planters uh, in the India area, and so we supported his ministry. And then we're getting ready to send the check um, to, come, uh, to the Timothy Initiatives to help them with their 2020 um, goals um, as well. Uh, I don't know if you know much about India, but over in India, the population of that country, it's 1.34 billion people uh, in that country. 1.31 don't have a relationship with Christ. And so we're, we are focused on bringing the good news um, to India. There's the... Almost that entire population does not have the assurance of where it's going to spend an eternity, has never heard uh, about Jesus. And we are planting churches in India like crazy. People are coming to faith. God is stirring up uh, a work there, but it is a, it's a groundwork that is just getting off the ground, and uh, we have an opportunity to be there. Over in Nepal, uh, Nepal, we're very active there. We've got 29.5 million people in that country, uh, 29.1 don't have a relationship with Christ. And so it is a highly unreached uh, country. And so the Timothy Initiative is focused specifically on reaching those communities um, for Christ. Um, They estimate right now that the majority of these countries have no gospel presence. There's an estimated 300 to 400,000 villages uh, that have no gospel presence. They've never even heard about who Jesus is. And so we are called to witness to the very ends of the earth so that these people have an opportunity to hear about Jesus as well. I have a video for TTI that I'll put up on our website that you can watch later. Um, but TTI is focused on reaching these, organiz- reaching these communities for Christ, and we get to be a part of that. And that is exciting uh, for me, and I hope it is for you as well. As we head into uh, 2020, as we head into the end of this year, I've been talking with uh, David Nelms, the president of TTI. They have a focus next year on trying to plant 30,000 churches. They're focused on a church in every one of those villages. So they've got a map out. They know where all these villages are, and they are praying that the Spirit of God would go before them to help them plant a church in every village. And so their initiative for next year is to plant at least 30,000 churches. They want to see 30,000 new churches 
um, planted. That's 15,000 villages um, that they're targeting. And for $300, we can help support a church plant in that community. And so we raised uh, $9,000. We raised 10. We gave 1,000 to Chandra. We're going to be sending a check to Timothy Initiative for $9,000 this week. That's going to plant 30 churches in these communities, in these villages. And there's a church, there's a matching grant right now that's being matched. So we're going to be a part of seeing 60 churches planted in these communities. And so we get regular updates um, from TTI. Um, We take uh, trips. We have vision trips uh, that we'll take over there. We have a partnership with many of the church planters in their uh, communities. And I just want to encourage you that if you are thinking missions might be something God's calling you to do, or if you're thinking that God might be wanting to move you uh, vocationally into ministry, we would love to help be a part of that process for you. Um, we're going to be taking a missions trip, a vision trip um, to India soon. And if you are thinking that God might be stirring in your heart, the idea that you want to be a part of missions or ministry, I uh, would love the opportunity to have you be a part of that. And I'd love to talk with you more about that. But we are committed to reaching the very ends of the earth uh, with Jesus Christ. That's our mission strategy, to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria to the very ends of the earth. Now, we just updated uh, our website. You can go to uh, springbrook.org missions. It's on our uh, app as well if you haven't downloaded that. Um, you can see where each one of these mission strategies is at play for us at Springbrook. We want to make sure that people are educated on what we're doing to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria to the very ends of the earth because we are committed to being witnesses as a church and collectively, individually, as the body of Christ. And so as you think through our mission strategy, as you think about um, maybe where your part is on that, I just want to encourage you that it all begins with who you are in Christ. You know, in Romans 10, 15, at the end of that passage, Paul said this, there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for it's the same Lord bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? You can't share what you don't have. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? Do you believe in your heart that he died for your sins, that he was risen from the grave? Do you believe that, and have you confessed that? That's the good news that we must each individually respond to. The body of Christ is a gathering of believers that believe that and are committed to allowing God to use them to further his purposes in Jerusalem, Jesus married to the very ends of the earth. And that's what unites us and who we are together. But it starts by asking yourself the question, do I believe that? Have I confessed that? And am I willing to live that out? And next week we're going to be kicking off a series on 1 Corinthians. I'm really looking forward to who we are together. But who we are together is rooted in who we are in Christ. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you've never made that confession, if you're not sure or have the assurance that you have a relationship with Christ, we're glad you're here today. Don't leave without answering that question. I'll be available after the service. Uh, You can fill out that welcome slip and we'll follow back up with you. Uh, But let's just pray that God would continue to protect us, that he would go before us, and he would continue to provide for us. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for for the good news about the about Jesus Christ. I thank you for that hope that we have. I'm, I'm grateful that it's simple and that it's easy to share. I pray that you give us favorability uh, in our community, in our region, and in our world. Uh, God, I thank you for your provision for our ministry. Uh, God, I pray that this will be a place that people could grow in their faith. I pray for anyone here this morning that's not secure in who they are in Christ, God, that you would draw them to yourself. Scripture says that no one comes to the Son 
unless the Father draws him. And so I just pray that there would be open hearts and minds uh, for the good news about Christ. God, we look forward to all that you have for us. Uh, We commit this day to you. We lift it up to you for your glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.